Hello, thanks for stopping by Liberty For Her, where we unpack one woman's entrepreneurial journey to help another woman launch her own. I'm your host, Netta Jones. We're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty for Her. Today, you are in for a treat. We get a second go around with Brittany Driscoll of so many companies. I'm not even going to say of one in particular. And I'm just excited to really dig deeper into this conversation we're having about retail with somebody who probably is one of the people that understands it the most in the service industry. Um, we're we're in for a treat and we're here with a real pro. Brittany, thank you for being with us this morning. Ah, oh, what an introduction. Thank you, Netta. I'm so happy to be here. It's awesome to reconnect. Oh, yes, it is. And you're all the way from Nashville this time. So we get you yes. from all the coasts or all the all the places, all the cities, I should say. Yes. And listeners, uh, if you want the backstory on Squeeze, go ahead and listen to episode 87, where Brittany really digs into that. We did, I think that was our very last live before we went into lockdown. That's crazy to me. Crazy. Yeah. That is pretty wild. It is, it is crazy. So now we have you here uh, on Zoom. But I wanted you to start a little bit with, uh, give us your background with Squeeze, and then we'll kind of go into the new ventures that you're a part of. I love the lead up. Um, So I guess just really quickly, my background is in marketing and advertising. I had the amazing fortune of working with world-class brands like Barbie and Hot Wheels, Disney, Coca-Cola, Hilton Worldwide very early on in my career and got a ton of experience, you know, understanding consumer behavior and building brand campaigns to drive business and um, was very fortunate to take all of that experience and channel it into building Dry Bar. I joined Michael and Ali uh, on their journey about three years into the business in 2013. And I was there for four years and helped take the company from 30 million to over 100 million, opened over 60 doors, onboarded franchisees, and also launched the product line uh, into all the prestige retailers that it exists in today. So Sephora, Ulta, Nordstrom, Bloomingdale's. It was the ride of a lifetime, as you can imagine. I mean, I was personally like obsessed with Drybar. I was such a fan of the whole experience and Ali's story and, you know, then getting a chance to really work with them up close and personal for several years and just help build this business was really like such a highlight of my career. And I'm so grateful for it. And it's funny when you look back on things, how you can kind of see the dots and yeah. how they they start to line up and build upon each other. And one of the things that I'll always go back to now that I'm kind of where I'm at is we always used to say at Dry Bar that we weren't selling blowouts. We were selling happiness and confidence that mm-hmm. came with a blowout. And when you look good, you feel good. And when you feel good, you can take on the world. You know, there's like nothing that can stop you, which clearly, you know, is a nice dovetail into what I'm doing today. So Squeeze is a new massage concept, and it was really the brainchild of Michael and Allie. They were avid massage goers for years and years and felt like 
the massage itself was really great, but everything else about the experience really could use a little refresh. So that's really what Squeeze is. We say our tagline is a way better massage experience. And it's basically just modernizing what has existed for several or a couple decades now, you know, I mean, I always like to say that the the discount chains really did make massage accessible to the masses to their credit. But you know, there's just a lot of opportunity to improve the experience. And so we, um, you know, we're an end to end technology platform, our guests can book, set all their personalized preferences, pay rate, tip and review all online, but you still come to us, it's still an elevated luxurious experience that makes you feel good. We have to be talk about squeeze as a feel good company. Uh, we like to say our guests get to walk in and float out. So again, you're doing everything online, setting your personalized preferences, your therapist knows everything before you walk in, we have additional customized features like you can choose from six different playlists. You can hit a ready button on the table and let the therapist know when you're ready for them to re-enter. But it really is meant to be very, very convenient. Hmm. And so we launched that business in March of 2019. So we were open for 11 months before the world turned upside down and had different plans for us. And you know, I'm sure we'll chat about that uh, later. But uh, it's been it's been a trying 18 months. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the business in and of itself is super strong. It's a it's a great business. We're franchising it. So giving small business owners the chance to really bring this great experience into their community and planning to scale it nationwide. We've got Scottsdale up first, which is really exciting. We're actually in lease negotiations there uh, right now. So it should be open in early 2022. And then we've got several other markets that are in the works and we'll be announcing soon. So, so that's wow. Squeeze. Well, I, I have to say two things, actually. So I've had a, this is not an advertisement. Brittany doesn't know I'm about to say this, but um, I've had a squeeze experience, a couple actually. And it is by far the best massage experience I've had. Everything from the actual uh, technician to um, being able to, like you said, set all of my preferences in the room, the, the physicality of the room, it's so clean and modern. And there was a place for my keys and my jacket. And I could choose, uh, I think that was a special you were running, but I could choose from several oils that you guys had available and were doing um, some sort of, there was some sort of cool CBD program or something at the time. Being able to leave without like really having to I'm always mad when I have a massage and the stress of like checking out and then getting in my car and all of that just puts that stress right back onto me. And I'm like, I just had a massage. Well, that's funny that you say that because I mean, if Michael were here, he would tell you that that was like one of his biggest frustrations was having to like wait in line and have someone ask you about tipping. And if you were a member, maybe, you know, your benefits had to be adjusted, like all of that. Yeah. And then it just takes away. Yes the benefit of what you just paid for and what you just experienced. It absolutely, so. it is absolutely all those things. So I, I highly, highly recommend it. And then the other thing I is really less of a statement and more of a question. When you launched Squeeze, did you intend for it to be a franchise or was that a result of everything that was going on in the pandemic? Well, first of all, thank you for talk, talking about your experience. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Um, we knew from the outset that we wanted to to franchise squeeze. We definitely considered, you know, going the corporate route, but for several reasons, I mean, learnings from Drybar, you know, a franchise operating partner just leads their team and yeah. their business 
better. The reality is, you know, they've got skin in the game. They're more connected to their community. They're a a true business operator. So there was a lot of learnings that we had that, you know, we knew we wanted to go in this direction. For me, this is my first true entrepreneurial venture and journey. And I just loved it so much. Like, don't get me wrong. It's overwhelming and exhausting at times, but mostly it's very liberating. And it really, it's, you know, and it's a nice, nice plug. Um, And it's, truly been just life-changing in the best way. And so I love the idea of building a business and a support system to do the same thing for small business owners across the country. And I love to, I mean, so again, so much of our emphasis in building this business, aside from all of those great things that we just talked about on the consumer side, we've actually placed just as much emphasis on our employee side of Mm. things and really wanting to make Squeeze a great place for them to come to work and feel valued, not just for what they do, but for who they are. And I think that that's just a very powerful thing for business owners to be a part of, you know, I mean, we're really trying to go about this very differently and from just a, a thoughtful perspective and and quality. I mean, all of it, it has been so intentional. Um, and so I love the idea too, that, small business owners, our franchise partners will have a community amongst themselves too, as they're building their business of people who are doing the same thing all over the country. And, and, you know, just having that support system built in. But once we decided to go the franchising route, kind of for all of those reasons and more, we really have been very intentional about every aspect of the business and how we built it. The documentation we put together, the way that we train, like, just being very thoughtful about each step of the process, knowing that there was going to be, you know, an operating partner in Scottsdale and someone eventually in Chicago. And, you know, we wanted to make sure that they would be able to build and operate this business as successfully as we did. And if they couldn't, we challenged ourselves to like go back to the drawing board and figure out a better way to do it. So we really have thought of, you know, franchisee number one, all the way to hopefully 500 one day and really trying to build a system and a foundation and teams and a structure um, that's going to make their life great. Because I mean, you know, running a business and and building it isn't easy, but um, there are a lot of learnings, especially from Drybar and then also just insights that we had as we built things that I feel like on the consumer side, we say a way better massage experience, but I really feel like we've also built a way better franchise experience. Mm. And so for our operating partners, you know, I think it's, it's hopefully just going to be a great addition to their life and a, and a really meaningful one. Yeah. And to have somebody who's kind of filled in those gaps and who's, who's learned from their own history to be able to say, here's a playbook of how you can be successful. And here's a brand, like we've created the brand for you. Exactly. Um, what a what a marriage. Okay, so if that was not enough, you decide <laughs> at some point that it's a really good idea to build something called the Feel Good Company, which is, as I understand it, it's an umbrella and there are other companies under it. Explain that a little. So yes. Okay. So it's not quite an umbrella, but it's a, we'll call it like a sister company that just helps like plug in and support these brands. Okay. okay. Um, Cause they, each brand kind of like stand, stands on its own. So I know it's so funny actually, when I think <laughs> back on this, I literally, as we were building squeeze, okay. Squeeze wasn't even open yet. Mm-hmm. And I had one of those like 3am aha moments 
And I, I just got to thinking that after, you know, everything that we had built at Dry Bar and then we were clearly laying the the runway and the foundation for Squeeze, I, I just realized like we really had this very proprietary, like four-pronged approach to creating disruptive retail experiences. And, you know, one of those was a great brand. I always used to say at Dry Bar, you know, Dry Bar was a love brand. You kind of can't help naturally, but just like, I mean, look at you like smiling, you know, yeah. it's just like yeah. you love Dry Bar. And, and we use the same creative team and we were, we wanted to make Squeeze feel approachable and warm and cheeky and, you know, not, not too serious. Um, so it was like, we had that box checked and then we had great architecture and really thoughtful surprise and delight moments that exist within the retail spaces. I mean, again, we use the same architect as dry bar. And as you all know, you know, dry bar is set up as a bar and you get to watch fun movies and then you turn around and look at yourself in a mirror. Finally, when you're all beautified versus looking at yourself in a wet mop, like that insight <laughs> came from the art, the, the architects team, you know, the architectural team. And so we had that thoughtfulness, you know, again, if, as part of our founding unit. And then with Squeeze, our biggest thing that's different than Drybar, even though Drybar has an app, of course, you know, our technology system is built cons- like across the entire business. I mean, we we operate more like an e-commerce business really than anything, except for the fact that, of course, you come, you come visit us. Um, and so that has so many positive implications on the back end for, again, our operating partners too, and just like the general foundation and structure of the business. So it was like we had technology and that level of innovation. And then the fourth thing was culture. Like, again, just the emphasis that we were putting on our team and our people and really trying to create a very differentiated experience for them. So I was like, gosh, you know, and again, going back to like at dry bar, we weren't selling blowouts. We were selling happiness and confidence and that makes you feel good. And when we, when we formed squeeze our, we literally, you know, talked about it being a feel good company. And so I just had this moment of like, we could, do this across multiple verticals in the health and wellness space. We could transform communities for good. We could do it in a way that we are partnering with other female business owners and mm-hmm. supporting their aspirations and their dreams. So I literally just like kind of put all these things together and I shot Michael and Allie an email and I, you know, kind of laid all that out. And I was like, and we could literally call it the feel good company. <laughs> and Michael, I'll never forget, writes me back and he's like, yeah, yeah, great idea, Britt. He's like, open squeeze first, prove you can do it. And then we'll like cross that bridge when we get to it. And I was like, okay, fair enough. Uh, but then what ended up happening is when we open squeeze, Christy Desai, who is the co-founder and CEO of OK Humans, uh-huh. which is our next feel-good company brand. And we'll be interviewing her in this series. So we're excited okay, good, for that. Good. Yeah, yeah. She's amazing. She's amazing. I won't, I won't steal her thunder in terms of sharing too much because her, her story is just so, uh, it's so inspirational. Mm. You know, I mean, it really is like very incredible. But in any case, she reached out to me on Instagram and was like, I love what you've done with Squeeze. I've always been obsessed with Dry Bar. I'm trying to make therapy more accessible and acceptable to people. Like I don't, you know, I want to like totally upend the negative stigma that exists around uh, mental health. Can I talk to you about like how you built out your technology platform and what you're doing with your team? Because the other thing you have to remember is like massage therapists and then also mental health therapists. Uh, or I should say licensed therapist, licensed marriage and family therapist, you know, they work independently for the most yeah. part. Like their jobs are so independent, clearly. 
And it's like, so to build a great brand and a great space that then creates this team environment is really great. Like it's, it's so different. And I think, you know, a positive impact on the, on these people's lives. So she was like, I would just love that to create a space where like therapists can come together and support each other. And, you know, while obviously still doing their work. So in any case, so she reached out to me on Instagram. She came in to squeeze to share with me her idea. And I, I just was like, this is a feel good company. You know I mean? She was just coming to pick my brain and I, I still have chills. Like in the first two minutes of her sharing her vision, for okay humans cuz she wanted to take it out of the medical office space she wanted to put it in a retail environment she wanted you know people to walk in and it feel just as acceptable to do that as you go get your nails done or go grab a cup of coffee like obviously much more intensive but you should be able to walk in off the street to a place like this and and get help um or support you know whatever you need and uh so anyway so she shared that with me and I was like wow I was like I feel like I feel like we just have to move on this opportunity you know we weren't quite ready and we Again, I had like sent that email months back at that point. And where are we in where are we in the pandemic? No, we're not in the pandemic yet. So this okay. is this okay. is the other thing. Okay, oh wow. Yeah, so this is wow. the other thing that's kind of crazy about this whole story. It's just like the timing of everything, but whatever, it all, it all works out how it's supposed to. Um what's crazy about it is so I of course started peppering Christy with like a bunch of questions like how much money have you invested? Do you have a real estate look injured? Do you have a retail site yet? You know? And I think she was like, why are you asking me all these questions? But I finally was like, listen, we kind of have this bigger idea in mind. And I feel like we could really support you because she had the, she is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And she obviously has the expertise on the therapy side of things, but she, she didn't have all of those other things that I just mentioned that, you know, really make the feel good company so special. And so it's kind of just like this perfect pairing Obviously, we ended up partnering together and it, it's such a beautiful thing. But talk about just, you know, happenstance and like things are s- supposed to happen. Uh, as she's leaving this conversation and meeting with me, and of course, I'm like wanting to call Michael and Allie like immediately to be like, you guys, we have to move on this. It's such a cool, cool, you know, idea. Allie was getting a massage at Squeeze and Christy and Allie like me outside. And of course, Christy knows who Allie is. So she's like, hey, she's like, I just met with Brittany and I have to tell you. And, you know, she's obviously like such a huge fan of Drybar. So, of course, Allie then is like, oh, my gosh, this is such a great idea. So it was just like, boom, no brainer. Like we were doing it. Wow. (laughs) I thought you were going to say and the timing of it all, because so many people coming out of the pandemic have been vocal about mental health. Well, I had no idea. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly, again, it's just like the timing couldn't be more perfect, but yes, I mean, we were, we were planning all of this before the pandemic. Wow. So yeah, you know, things, things just happen how they're supposed to. Yes, they do. And we'll get into her story in the next few weeks. What, what was it about um, when you're kind of, finally organizing what the feel-good company is. And so just for clarity, it's like a It's basically consulting. like a, yes, like a service agency okay. or a consulting group that leverages okay. the expertise across all of those functions to help plug into these brands. So, you know, like my chief operating officer works across all of these brands. We're able to leverage his salary and like, you know, have a great person who a startup company normally wouldn't be able to bring on our, you know, head of marketing, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's like efficiencies that we've got on the back end from our, um, our other agencies and our vendor partners, you know, from a pricing standpoint that, that is uh, beneficial for all brands. 
And you guys, again, just for clarity, because I don't want people trying to get a hold of you <laughs> with the wrong information. So it's is it something that someone can come to you with a concept and hire out just the feel-good company? Or is it something that you're saying, no, we're going to bring you into the feel-good company and you're going to be a part of this kind of system that we've put together. We'll see. You know, I have like okay. real big dreams for the feel good company. I no doubt. feel yeah. like it's such, there's so many neat opportunities, but the reality is, you know, the pandemic set us back 18 months in terms of all of our mm-hmm. plans for these businesses, especially squeeze. So we're focusing on scaling squeeze and getting that business up and running and stood up. And obviously, okay. Humans just opened uh, this past summer, this last few months in uh, Brentwood, right on San Vicente. So we're, we're focused on getting these right. Um, we do have a few other ideas in the back of our minds that we're noodling on and potentially going to bring to fruition. So I would say that no, you know, right now we're not, we just don't have the capacity to take on anything okay. new. But that's not to say that once uh, we get a little bit more traction that that, that couldn't be a, a potential down Okay. Road. So don't DM Brittany <laughs> yes, right now, DM. guys. I, she's, she's good. I love to support, but like you still can, you know, I mean, just don't have the expectation that you're, you'll be roped into the feel good <laughs> company quite yet. But I, I love, I do love connecting so much with small business owners and female founders and, you know, women who are just doing cool things. It's like, we all have these big aspirations and these goals for ourselves that I feel like it's just such a neat time to be in business. And it's a cool time where I feel like more women in particular are willing to be vulnerable and collaborate with each other and talk about things. So I'm always open to that. It's literally probably my favorite thing since launching squeeze and like building these businesses. It's just connecting with other women. So I'm always, I'm not always the fastest, but uh, to respond, but I do really love to connect and support where I can. And I've experienced that firsthand. So I actually know that to be true. Okay, so we know about your background with Dry Bar and even prior to that, um, all that you were doing with consumer goods. So it's it's obvious that what you have brought to the table um, is years of experience. And I'm sure learning what not to do is just as much a part of that. What about the entrepreneurial piece of it did you feel like was attractive to you? I mean, you could have stayed at Dry Bar and, and continued to ride that out, but you said you were there for four years. What was it about? Was, was it an itch? Was it something that you always knew that you wanted to do? Did you just want to try something on your own? What was it about the entrepreneurial piece that was missing for you when you were having a really successful ride as part of uh, a corporation? Yeah, I've actually talked about this recently on uh, just in conversation with other women. And I think it's an interesting piece of my professional experience and my career that's worth mm. noting since I started my career, I have been transitioning every few years. Like I didn't, I never stayed anywhere more than four years. Mm -hmm. And that's not, I mean, it just so happened to be, I guess that, that amount of time. So there's no real, um, like to, to that particular number, but it's just meant to say that like, I, I guess I'm just, I'm, I'm constantly seeking growth and challenge. And I think mm-hmm. that I just realized 
in very specific moments of my career that I had gotten to a place of, okay, I think I've done all I can do here. And, or I think that it's time for me to learn something new. And so I'm just mm-hmm. going to continue to challenge myself. And I think that that's so important for women to know and to have permission to do for themselves. Like you don't need to stay stuck. If you are feeling yeah. uninspired and, and like something else is, would be of, of greater interest to you, just do it. Like take the leap. Because I think that I always operated under the notion of, I would rather have tried and failed than to have always been wondering what if, like, I think regret is one of the, you know, heaviest things to live with. And I always think about, you know, when this is like such a weird thing, but I always think about like when I'm on my deathbed and I look back on my life, like, what am I going to be really happy that I chose to do? And what are the things that I'm going to wish I had done more of or less of. And I try and really focus on that. I'm like, okay, I know that like, to your point, I could always go get a job. Like the reality is, you know, there's always an opportunity out there to go work for someone else. And there's amazing people doing cool things. And so, you know, again, if that's you go work for a brand that like sets your heart on fire, that's what I did at dry bar. And I loved every second of it, but I just knew that I, you know, again, and kind of like all of those pivotal moments of my career and the transitions that I made that it was worth the risk to grow and learn. And so, yeah, I just, and I never, the other thing too, that I think for, if, if, if you're listening and you're, you feel like you're kind of at this point where you're not happy doing what you're doing and, or you've done as much as you can, or you've learned as much as, as you can, and you're like ready for your next growth point. The other thing to, I think a lot of times women feel guilty for leaving a business or a Mm. team or letting down a boss or, and I mean, trust me, when I was at dry bar, I had such great personal relationships with Michael and Allie and my boss. I hired every single person on the marketing team who worked for me, which was, you know, upwards of 15 plus women. So it was a really hard decision. I mean, personally, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to let all these people down. But at the end of the day, I had gotten to the point where I was itching for something else. So I wasn't serving them. I wasn't actually doing any good or I wouldn't have done any good if I had stayed there just because I felt like I had to, or it was the right thing. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, everyone saw that I was like willing to take a risk and take a chance. And I'm hopeful that that inspired other people to do the same thing. So I think you just have to remember that too. It's like, it's not, don't let the guilt piece have any weight or merit in your decision because really you're doing more of a disservice in saying if you're ready to move on. I love that you've said that for so many reasons. One, I mean, this podcast is inspired to help women to consider their own possibilities because they're watching other women live into theirs. They're listening to these stories. They're finding themselves in these stories. And my hope is that each of these stories is giving them permission to pursue something that does set their heart on fire, that feels like a calling, that feels like something that they are sort of itching to to grow into. The other reason is personal. And I just put out on Monday of this week a Hey Liberty um, to our membership community. We're changing things. Mm. We're changing things up. I had created a membership community during the pandemic 
I remember for this, having a conversation yes, about that. Yes. Yeah, for the sake of that, for the sake of uniting these women who were our listeners, who were women that I had done one-on-one consulting with over the years. And I had been consulting for almost 20 years in different capacities and kind of felt like my time was up. Mm-hmm. I was done with this and there was so much more I wanted to do in this space the core of liberty to inspire and equip women women had not ended. That's I'm more committed to that than ever, but not in those ways. And it took a long time. I had wanted to do it before the pandemic. And then I was like, oh, now's not the time to leave both clients and um, this membership community. They they need each other. And then finally gave myself permission, um, got the courage to say, you know, yeah, sure, some people will be disappointed, but there is something better than what I have to offer for those people. And um, it will it will serve all of us when we can uh, kind of live into those things, into those inklings, into those things that I believe nudge our, our hearts and our minds for a very specific reason. So I appreciate you yes. um, validating that, but also saying it to all of our listeners. No, of course, of course. I mean, it's exactly right. I have to say, and you've hinted a little bit at this, but I just wanted to ask, what has being an entrepreneur in a pandemic of all things, what has that taught you about yourself? Uh, This, I mean, like I said, the past 18 months have probably been the, it's been the hardest time in my life because Mm -hmm. I have always been a driver and an achiever and I've kind of never let like no be the final you know resting stop it was always like okay well I'll just figure out something else and obviously I had just launched this business and we had raised a lot of money and you know we want to scale and so it's not like I could have just pivoted into doing something else I really just had to like sit in the suck and and ride it out and so and it challenged me on a lot of levels, like from an identity standpoint, we place so much emphasis on what we do. And it was Mm -hmm. kind of like, okay, well, who am I outside of what I do and what I really care about and what do I believe? And like relationally, spiritually, mentally, physically, like I feel like I was pushed and challenged on every level. And interestingly Mm. enough, I would say that the past six months have probably been the hardest for me because I think in a lot of ways, the first year was like just getting through it, right? It was like we were learning new things every day. We were all freaking out about a million things. And um, it was kind of just like, okay, we just have to get through it. And now that we're like kind of on the back end of getting through it, I feel like the impact of it is just hitting a lot harder and like all of a sudden we're having to process really like what we just experienced and the, the true, um, like the way it changed us, you know? And so, and it's been real. So I guess I just, I just want to say that because I'm like the strong friend, you know, how everyone like talks about this, like check in on your strong friend. I've always been that person and I'm super optimistic and very, um, you know, I think like level-headed for the most part and a go-getter, but I've just really struggled because, you know, I, I was forced to confront a lot of things personally, professionally in, you know, in ways that I never have. And, and so I guess I just, you know, kind of on the, on the notion of, okay, humans, I just want to note that like, it's okay to not be okay. If, 
if you're not okay right now. And, you know, if you're really like struggling through it. So that was a long ramble, but I think, I think what it taught me is that I need to consistently prioritize my own self-care. And for me, that means like a very regimented morning routine where I'm doing things like meditating and writing in a gratitude journal and allowing like a slow entry into the day versus like up and at him and, you know, immediately like into the grind. Hmm. I am prioritizing my relationships. Like my, my relationships with my girlfriends grew so strong over the last 18 months. I mean, we just had real conversations, you know, we were, we were doing life together in a way that we never had before. And I know that it's easy, at least for me, it's been so easy over my career to let work like, you know, take priority. And I'm like, I'm not doing that anymore. Like I've just decided that like, I know that I need my friends and I need time away with them and, um, and even time away by myself to just like regroup and recenter. So those things I think personally, and then professionally, what I will say is I am convinced that the most successful companies are not led by people who are the most educated or the most experienced or the most connected, although connection makes a massive difference when you're building a business. Uh, It ultimately comes down to people who don't give up, who are willing to just keep going every single day. Like that has been, that has been the hardest part and also the most eye-opening part of this whole experience is like, it's going to happen. It's going to work. You just have to believe it and you just have to keep going. Put one foot in front of the other every single day. Yeah. Oh my gosh. How many people are sighing right now? A sigh of both relief and also like a, okay, let me continue to push through um, because of your words. Thank you for, for that. You, you said um, that it was a ramble. It wasn't a ramble. (laughs) It was exactly what we needed to hear. Thank you you for that. So I wanted to, it's hard not to have you sitting right here and want to dig into all things retail, especially as they impact the service industry. So first of all, just tell us a little bit about what we'll focus on I don't, I don't want to go too much into OK Human because I want that to be its own episode. But I guess with, with Squeeze and in your experience with other things that you're considering with the Feel Good Company to include OK Human, what do you feel like a, a service-based company needs to focus on? Or what are the challenges right now when we're talking about the, a brick-and-mortar experience, which we're all hearing things like we're living in an Amazon culture and brick and mortar is dead and post pandemic, everybody knows how to use um, the internet to shop if they didn't before. And you had said earlier, like we are referring to squeeze. We're an e-commerce company with Mm -hmm. sort of this brick and mortar outlet. So I really wanted to kind of dig into that with you a little bit. Again, the question is what are the challenges that you're facing and that I think you um, might hear from other people if, if this was a Q&A session? I think the biggest thing that differentiates a great service business, and quite honestly, I think this was the case pre-pandemic. I think it's probably just heightened post-pandemic, is a convenient 
personalized, thoughtful experience that is focused on customer service. You know, I think Mm -hmm. that um, there's a few things that we think about when we are designing physical spaces. The first is where are all of the moments where you can surprise and delight a guest when they walk in the door? They're not expecting that, you know, like squeeze, for example, they're not expecting when they walk in the bathroom and the door closes and they look in the mirror that they'll read this uh, cute quote that says, leave your stress behind you. Um, you know, you don't expect at dry bar that you're served a glass of champagne at a bar when you're getting a blowout, uh, at okay humans. Um, there's so many uplifting words and sayings that have been incorporated into the experience, like on the door of the, we call our, mm-hmm. our room suites, door of the suites. Um, we have pillows with, you know, positive messages. We have little eye drops for people to like refresh after, after their session, before Mm. they go out. Like there's just all of these. I I always say that it's like, if those things didn't exist, you wouldn't notice, but because they do, it's like, Oh wow. Someone really thought about my experience and how I'm going to feel coming into this space. And so there's a lot of things that can be done on the design front to bring out that emotional experience. And then similarly, for the um, the customer service side of it, you know the way that your your team and employees treat guests also matters. Like we talk a lot about the fact that when you walk into Squeeze, we want it to feel like you're welcoming someone into your home. Like how do you welcome mm-hmm. them? You want them to feel warm and welcome. And if there's anything that I can do for you, where's the restroom? Like tell me all of the things that I might be you know anxious about and or anticipating, and just ease that right out the gate. So. There's so many. So I guess, I mean, there's no silver bullet, right? There's so many things that make a brick and mortar service experience special and unique and memorable. Um, And there's a lot of ways you can go about doing that. But I think that that is what needs to be thought through. When I was at Drybar, Mm -hmm. I always used to say that I wanted to work myself out of a job because I really believe at the end of the day, the strongest marketing channel is word of mouth. And the way that people, the way that you get people talking about your business is to create an experience that they literally can't help themselves, but want to tell their friends. And that has to come through again in all of like the little moments. Yeah. Which by the way, we're talking about, or we're focused on service-based industries, but I would say that a applies to product-based um, like, companies even more than ever right now totally. as they're competing with the online experience. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, I think that exactly the experience when you walk into a store, even if you're going to buy a product matters. If you're an e-com business, the way that you unpackage your product yeah. when you get it matters. Like all of those things people are coming to expect. Obviously, those are the things that people are not only telling their friends about, they're sharing online. Like there's just, you want to create things that people love so much, they just can't help but talk about. And that can be done yeah. in a lot of different ways. And you're right. I mean, it, it is applicable across every channel and every type of business. If you had a crystal ball and could look into it, what do you think the future is of retail specific to service-based industries, but in general as well? Like, what is it that you're seeing that could be a result of 
what we've just been through in lockdown. And yes, we got really cozy and comfortable with shopping online, but we're all kind of dying to get out and about and connect. So what do you see? What do you think that means? So, I mean, I think to your last point, that's like exactly where I was going to go. I do believe that at the end of the day, like we are connected creatures. People want to be around people. Um, you know, I don't yeah. think we want to be holed up in our homes. Certainly there's some efficiency in being able to order your groceries and have them delivered to your door. Like some, some of those things definitely won't change, you know, food delivery from a restaurant standpoint, like that industry is shifting too. But people still are going to want to go out with their friends, sit outside, you know, enjoy music, go get a massage, go get a facial, like just, so I'm, I have always been, I mean, my first job was in experiential marketing. Like I believe in experiences. I just think that they add so much value to people's lives and that people are going to want to continue to go out and experience more things. So I don't mm-hmm. believe retail is going anywhere. You know, I think that, yes, I think brands and businesses are going to be forced to level up in a lot of ways in terms of. Uh, delivering, again, those thoughtful surprise and delight moments and really making it worth people's time and their while. But I think that people are like seeking and desperate for that. So, um, you know, I'm excited to see how things shift and change and evolve. Yeah. Yeah. And I think probably retailers are more post-pandemic, if we can use that term, Um, they're more aware of the difference it makes to have customers in a physical location. That even if they were able to enjoy the same sorts of numbers through the pandemic, it's not the same. You know, if they were able to keep an online platform open, it's not the same. It's not the same experience um, as when people can come in and touch and feel and connect with a brand. Well, and also like instant gratification is something too, right? Like mm. you're, we were talking about your cute jacket before we started and yeah. I'm not going to order it online. I'm going to like run out to Target after work today yeah. and go get it. Yeah. Cause it's like, I would love it now. And I think that, yeah. you know, that's a silly example, but I do think that, that the consumer behavior and just our expectation in general of instant anything, um, is real. And so I think in that, in that standpoint too, you know, the opportunity to sell products in a physical space isn't going, isn't going away. What did you learn specifically in kind of lockdown about your consumer, about your cus? I mean, excuse me, about your employees, about the, this kind of service you want to bring, um, to your customer post pandemic? Like what are the things that you learned about squeeze after going through that process? And I should also say you and I did an Instagram live and I think it was in the first few months of the pandemic and you were able to keep those employees paid, which was no small feat for somebody who was barely a year out of, you know, weren't even a year out of the gate, right? With squeeze eight months or something like that. So what what have you learned about the importance of all of those things when it comes to kind of reopening squeeze and, and rethinking what you value uh, as a brand and as a business owner? Yeah, I think on the consumer side, it has just been reassuring that 
people are wanting massage more than ever. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, thankfully massage is such an on-demand experience and so many people have incorporated it into their regular routine and behavior that demand was never the biggest challenge in terms of building and growing and scaling the business, but even more so now, like 80% of Americans are going to focus more on their self-care post-pandemic. Like it's a great business to be in. So if for anyone out yeah. there thinking of franchising or, you know, if the squeeze experiences of interest to you, I, I just think it is so it's, we are in a landscape that is positively in our favor, which I'm really excited yeah. about. And what's cool too, is that in addition to guest demand growing, the massage therapy industry also grows. So more people go into massage school to learn how to be a therapist because they, uh, you know, they want independence, they want flexibility in their schedule. And so it's a win-win on both sides just for the business to continue to grow. Uh, I think on the, on the team side and on the brand side, I think, think we were more just reassured that we were on the right track the way that we built this mm. business. Like we, again, you know, so much of our values is focused around creating a feel-good experience, not just for the guests, but for our team. And we do a lot of things to place emphasis on that internally through communication platforms and celebrations for the team and, you know, ways that they can feel heard. And we did, we connected with the team throughout the entire thing. And I think that you know, it was just a good reminder that we need to to stay very committed to that and like never really let it up in terms of just staying true to to creating a great, you know, a great place for people to come to work every day. And it was neat when we reopened because I think there was just this very palpable gratitude that everyone had yeah. coming back to work and just being able to see yeah. each other and um you know, and enjoy the space and feel supported. Like it was a really, as hard as it was, it was also a really beautiful experience, I think, for us all to navigate through together. And I think we're all stronger and better for it too, internally within the company. So uh, I'm really proud actually of the way that we, we handled all of everything really, you know, through the pandemic. That's not something that many people can say, not because they intentionally did anything, but they were just trying to stay ahead of what was happening. Yeah. And it's hard to look back and say, I'm really proud of all of those yeah. uh, moments where there were opportunities and intersections to make different decisions. So kudos to you and kudos to the team for hanging in there. Yeah. And I'm sure they had a sense of pride when those doors were open Thank that- you. They hung in there as well. So um, anything that sort of word of caution wise, anything that you would want to share with our listeners or just sort of scaffold them for like, hey, look, if you're thinking about launching a brick and mortar service-based uh, business, make sure you X or be careful to Y. Yeah. I always say you can't outmarket a bad location. So if you are looking to open a brick and mortar business, your location will make or break it. And it's mm. worth paying more for a great location than, like I said, having to spend endless amounts of marketing dollars that will never return, you know, what you're hoping for. So definitely take your time in finding the right location because you're in a lease for a long time, whether you sign five years or yeah. 10 years, it's, it's a big, big commitment. Uh, and find a great real estate attorney. <laughs> I, 
I yeah. have one, so you can DM <laughs> me about that if uh, if you need okay. that. That's an easy response for me. But um, yeah, location, location, location. Okay, that's that's good to know, especially as people are looking for experiences, mm-hmm. right? Um, yes. And and they're looking for all of that to be pleasant and meaningful and additive to their days and their their experience and whatever they're doing. And then any kind of entrepreneurial words of wisdom to our listeners um, that you want to leave them with? Oh, well, I think I'll go back to keep going. You know, I mean, I mm-hmm. really feel like that was the biggest takeaway for me is you just have to have that grit and perseverance. Go back to your why, maybe, you know, remember why you started. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't start with a bigger purpose than your product and service, it's probably worth really thinking about why you started to begin with and resetting yourself with bigger aspirations beyond, again, just whatever it is you're physically selling, because that will be what actually keeps you motivated. Um, Yes. So, yeah. Amen to that. That's a, that's a great one. Okay. Before we let you go, you know, we do this fast five. The questions are a little different, I think, from when you answered before. Um, but what do you think is the number one trait an entrepreneur must possess? Like can't, can't be an entrepreneur without this vision. Ooh, I don't think we've heard that one. Wow. Okay. That's a great one. And then is there an app that you use on a daily or a regular basis, just to get through your day. It could be for business or for sort of managing life and business. Google Calendar. And I actually yeah. set up individual calendars for not only my different brands, but also personal personal things, wellness. I have different categories for, uh, you know, different um category, whatever, like events. Yeah, I know. Are they like different colors for the different categories? Yes. Yes. And what's great about it is you can actually go back and audit. So you can like click, you can click them on and off and you can say, okay, I'm just going to look at my personal calendar. Like where, where did I spend my time? You know, I'm going to look at like squeeze. Where did I spend my time? I'm going to look at health and wellness. Like how much did I get out and do things? So it's just a great way to like audit your time and also make sure that you're prioritizing what, what really matters. So Google calendar. I can't live without it. My team knows it's like, it's it's not on my calendar. It's literally not happening. It's not. Yeah. (laughs) I understand that. I understand that. And then when you had a little bit of money with squeeze and I know you're still in the early days, but what was the first thing you hired for? Like as soon as you were, even before you opened your doors, you, we can say. So I feel like this is a tricky one because it really is going to be dependent on what your strengths are, but you know, mm-hmm. mine is obviously in marketing. I am a visionary. I'm like the big picture thinker. So I had no experience in building technology and I am not a detail oriented mm-hmm. person. I mean, like I care about the little things, but I'm not going to put together operational plans to support like a big system. I mean, that made my head wants to explode thinking about that. Right. So I hired, um, a, I actually hired a chief technology officer who eventually became our chief operating officer and it was the best hire of this business. I mean, he's really been, you know, my right hand and my partner through the entire thing. And my my strengths are his weaknesses and vice versa. And so it just works very well together. So I guess I would say, yeah. like, make sure that you hire where you're not strong at. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. And I think we've consistently heard something, not 
phrased exactly like that, but something around that, like really higher to your weaknesses, especially in those early days, because there's so much that needs to get done. Um, I think this is the hardest question, but do you prefer salty or sweet snacks? Salty. That's an easy one for me. (laughs) Okay. Yes. And can I tell you what's so funny? I'm holding out until the end of the season, but every... One has said salty. Really? So I'm going to say that it's an entrepreneurial <laughs> preference. There you we'll go. We'll see. We'll see. We'll That's see where it so goes. That's so funny. Isn't that funny? So we always ask at the end of each episode, like, what liberty means um, to you. But you've answered that question before. So I want to know more specifically, how has being an entrepreneur liberated you? It's funny, I always choose a word for the year, and my word for 2021 was freedom. I think just because of everything that we experienced in 2020. Yes. Sadly, you know, there were still a lot of things that, you know, made that difficult. Um, Yeah. The, sorry, so what, what liberty means in my entrepreneurial journey? Yeah, how have you been liberated by pursuing these entrepreneurial ventures? In your case, it's more than one. I mean, it sounds so simple, but you get to do what you want when you're the boss. Like you make your schedule how, you know, you want you, you set the tone as to how you want people to experience your, what you've built. You, you set the tone from a culture and morale standpoint. Like, Mm. I think it's just getting to, to do things the way that you wish they can be done. I mean, everyone mm. right now who is working for someone else wishes that there was something different about the way that the company sure. was structured or, you know, the organization, the culture, the hours, like whatever it is, the way the systems that they're using. When you start your own business and you're your own boss, you get to choose all of those things. And that's yeah. super you're great. You're responsible for all of those things <laughs> it, too, but yes. Comes, <laughs> exactly. It comes with great responsibility and some losses, yes. you know, sleep, but it's pretty great. (laughs) (laughs) It is pretty great. And the impact that you have on the particular um, industry that you're in, the impact that you have on the consumer that you're serving, the impact you have, um, especially in your case, on the team that you're putting together. I don't think anything, I don't think anything can trump that to know that you sort of left your mark in, in those areas. We are so glad that you have left your mark, Brittany. It's always such a treat to connect with you, to talk with you, and just to hear your perspective. I so appreciate your honesty, and I can't tell you how many um, listeners on the other side are invigorated by your truth-telling. Nothing sucks more than hearing an entrepreneur get on and just say, everything was easy, and I had a million dollars to begin with, and I was able to build this enormous whatever. Like it, it it doesn't mean anything to us until people are sharing the highs and the lows. And so I appreciate that you always do that with us. And thanks for sharing a little bit of your, well, our morning, your afternoon. Yes. Well, I feel like, again, if nothing else, we're in it all together. So I appreciate you connecting. We are, we are. And Liberty listeners, um, we will have both OK Human and Squeezes uh, handles and everything for you guys to access um, in the show notes. 
And you can DM uh, Brittany if you need a, an attorney. Yes, real estate right? attorney. If you need a real estate attorney, she knows the person. <laughs> thanks again, Brittany, for being with us. And Liberty listeners, thanks for taking time out of your day to consider your possibilities. Thanks, Meta. Bye for now. Liberty For Her is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, rate, and review Liberty For Her on Apple Podcasts. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty For Her is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham and music by Jordan Flowers.